I've only had one Bruce Springsteen pick in my uh, time here on the podcast. I am coming oh, dude. up. I am coming with a second pick right now because he did have an album come out in Tell me it's a title track. This was on my short list. Tell sorry, me it's a title track. Sorry, it is not the no, title track. No, you're kidding me. Although There's another love- song on Wrecking Ball that you're not going to choose? You're not going to choose Wrecking Ball? Oh, wait, what's the name of the album? Wrecking Ball. Oh, sorry. That is the one I'm choosing. Oh, sorry. good. <laughs> oh, thank God. Okay. But, by the way, if you chose a song that was not Wrecking Ball from the album Wrecking Ball, I was going to have to stab my ears with a pencil. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. And twelve on the fifty years of music with fifty-year-old white guys podcast. Jeff Simon, Berkeley, California, on this fine February day. It's beyond beautiful today. Oh. It was like one of those days that California made its bones with. Oh right, and Ben Barton on the other side of the mountains. I all three presume. of us had that day, right? Sixty-five oh and sunny, spectacular. Yeah, I did was... not have this day today, but yesterday George and I did the alfresco yoga on the front porch. Is that oh, just nude? Living it. No, when, it's, when the <laughs> oh. weather's nice. Oh, oh, oh not nude, okay. but yeah, my bad. Okay, I was nude, but just she's dead. <laughs> okay, here we go. So <laughs> nice God. outdoor yoga. Oh yeah, that is great. Can't couldn't have done that a week ago. Well, good. So we're headed into springtime. Hey, uh, we're part of the Drive-In Podcast Network. Go to musiccitydrivein.com for all your podcasts, articles, and whatnot. we got some great new writers joining the team. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. Speaking of which, Eugene Merman, old friend, uh, bumped us over 15,000 listens. Woo! Believe that? He's our guy, I can, for sure. I can believe He's it. He's our guy. I can believe it. Um, That's awesome. By the way, I got, it, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go. I just, I got, I, I got all kinds of new social media interest in the podcast from his bump. Like I, I got friended by people who, for whom my only connection is uh, him. So I definitely, definitely. Burgers has a loyal, loyal following. And I think Eugene Merman uh, stand up has. Oh, a for sure. Dude is, the dude is funny. Oh, yeah. He's no really doubt about funny. that. Now, yeah. I never By the way, to... India was really mad that we made fun of the bands that he opened for. She was like, yeah, you're you a guys, bad person, Ben Barton. You guys killed me. He buried that. me. She was <laughs> like, like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> well, you didn't say Thank you, India. It's a, snarky, it's a snarky podcast. You ask a question. I'm like, ah, snarky answer. Like, I said, Eugene, you can't answer. You think I was just being exclusionary? We're really dumb, <laughs> and we also don't listen. Like, you haven't picked that <laughs> yeah. up yet? And yeah, you need to hold up a sign like "You be nice." That's, that's, uh, <laughs> next that time, nice. next time I will do that. Uh, so it is 2012. Hey, sad news: Whitney Houston dies in 2012. And through the week, I was reflecting on the fact that neither of you chose her uh, in your top three female vocalists. Are you? Are you? And you? Not, and you did? Are you not? I didn't get to. I'm. I'm not the talent. Um, oh. neither of you, uh, Whitney Houston fan, does she make your top five, top 10? No, remember that's remember no. Jeff on when we talked about the bodyguard, Jeff hit it perfectly. It's empty calories. She's just like, she has a, like, she has a technically beautiful voice and it's, you know, several octaves and that's very impressive, but she does not bring emotion or charm or love or wit to her work. In my opinion. Golly, that was having said that she... two days ago, I had I want to dance with somebody in my head all day to the point huh. where my wife turned to me like, what? Why are you continually breaking out into I want to dance with somebody? <laughs> and I was like, I do not know where that came from. But all morning I was driving like I I, I drive in the car. It's like, I want to feel the heat with somebody. Like, I don't know where it came from. It was there for like 36 solid hours. So maybe it was anticipation of this. Call- yeah. It was just embedded like shingles in your body, and then it just emerged one day. Let's hope that's, <laughs> that's just so not. 
Whitney Houston is like shingles. Wow, that was another 50-year-old white guy take for (laughs) sure. When you break out the it's like shingles, this is not a good look. So now darkness has come for you, my friend. Here we Um, go. Let's get to the Grammy winner for 2012. Ben, let's did you look it up this time, Ben? I did not. Nice. Let's go, Jeff. Let's see if you can get it. It's the Grammy winner. We are young by fun. Oh, this is fun. I, I know this one. My story straight. Is... My friends are in the bathroom getting higher than the Empire State. My lover, she is waiting for me just across the bar. My seat's been taken by some And this is featuring Janelle Monet, right? Yeah, Even though she does nothing on the whole song. Wait, where did she come in? I know you like minute two. Huh. But between the drinks and subtle things, the holes in my apologies, you know, I'm trying hard to take it back. So if by the time the bar closes and you feel like falling down, I'll carry you home tonight. Um, who, who are these guys? Do you know fun? Are they hey, Jack New Yorkers? Antonoff for sure. Who is it? It's Jack Antonoff. This is the guy who eventually becomes like the, he's the new most powerful producer um, who works oh. a lot of female artists. But yeah, he's, he's the main, I think he's the main guy in this band. Yeah. I like this one. I really like it. Yeah. It's uh, similar to the Adele thing. It's like got old fashioned uh, instruments. I like that it goes to halftime in the chorus. Like that makes me happy. Right. <laughs> um, I like that it's got an anthem to it. And I'm, I'm a huge sucker for the We Are Young feature you know what i mean like songs right. about being young and stupid we are Sign young we are yeah as yeah. Just oh. Ben's, uh ringtone is love is a battlefield i don't disagree with that i also this has a whole bunch of production stuff that i really hate and come to really hate in these moments like i hate that over auto-tuned voice i hate the keep the piano recorded at the bottom of the ocean for no reason like there's just extra there's just extra treatments to everything to make it sound slightly different than what it actually sounds like. And when they're piled up all on top of each other, it just sounds like it just, it just sounds in a way that I don't like, but I, I don't dislike the song at all. I would never listen to it, but I would also, there's no reason to dunk on it, but this, we're reaching the point where I become the crank because I just, I wish it didn't sound like this. And it sounds like this. Still though. I mean, this is too, Decent to good Grammy songs in a row. Yes. You really can't argue with that at all. Nope. Shocking it, that it won, actually, frankly, considering that what what was available. It was yeah. amazing they picked this. So. Right. Well, they didn't pick Gangnam Style, which was right there for them. They could have picked that. That was easily the most important song in my house in 2012. A Gangnam Style was? My son was like the target audience. He was like nine. And like, <laughs> just... That ope, 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 that was. We did he do the song. dance? Was he doing the little dance? He did, had a little bit, not great, but he had a little bit. He didn't, he didn't like work on it, but he had kind of just a natural thing going there. So. All right. Um, Jeff Simons, we could get back into your wheelhouse right here in 2012 because the oh. London Olympics occur. Ah. Do you remember yeah. anything? Did you watch? Did you go? Yeah. I did not go. I did not attend. I remember that the opening and closing ceremonies were hilarious because London was like, let's uh, not remember yes. our cultural imperialism. Let's just pretend we've been the world's artists. Like yeah. it was so funny. It was like, hey, that Shakespeare was pretty good, right? How about you know? How about that lyric poetry? And how about the Beatles? I mean, it was. Uh, I, I thought the way they tried to reposition themselves as like America's martini or the world's martini glass was wonderfully, hilariously priceless. That's what I remember most of all. Yeah. The opening ceremonies has Kenneth Branagh uh, in a shire um, reading lines from the Tempest. It was bizarre, which is a colonial play. But anyways, yeah, it was a fascinating take no yeah it was definitely like you know britannia rules the airwaves is what i thought was the, <laughs> the new the new logo after that uh yeah. ben barton speaking of england it was the diamond jubilee for the queen Aww. ben 
Couldn't she have retired and stepped aside and let her son ascend to the throne at some point? Do you mean died? Is that what you mean by retired? <laughs> Listen, when that lady's still walking and breathing, I want her fronting that that business. You do not want anybody else who's not her. She's the last of the great ones for sure. No question. But we could have. We have could you have seen a, that nice lady wave, Tim? Are you saying got, that they should? She's she got a great wave, wave anymore. No, I acknowledge you know the that wave. I actually, I've seen the queen. <laughs> have I told you my see the queen story? No. no. Oh, so the first time I went to Europe with my parents, 1986, it's okay. the World Cup with the Maradona Hand of God. And we're there for like, you know, 11 days. And, and uh, it's the first time my parents and I have left the country together. And we're doing all the London crap. And we go to Buckingham Palace and we're standing out there. And, and uh, you know, they got the guards in the house. And, and I'm a 16 year old American. I'm like, this is all weird and stupid. And the gates open. Oh. And a car starts to drive out. Rolls Royce starts to drive out. And uh, I look, the queen's in the back seat. Oh. I'm like, and I nudge my parents. I'm like, look, and I wave. And the queen looks right at me and gives me like the queen's <laughs> wave. I'm like, hello, queen. And, and I'm like, huh, how about that? She drove out. My mom, my mom was like, oh, we saw the queen. Oh, we saw the queen. <laughs> I thought she was going to pass out. And hyper like, people all around me start crying. And I just was like, what is wrong with you all? Like, it's uh, her house. The car is coming out of the driveway. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't. Odds didn't, are you'd bump into her if you're hanging by the driveway. It did register to me that it was even remotely special that I went to London once and, and was four feet away from the queen, like making eye contact. But I was, my mom's reaction taught me so much about her that I didn't know. I was like, oh, how about that? <laughs> you. <laughs> you too are in the cult, but yeah. All right. Well, um, we also had the 2012 election. It's Romney versus Obama. I'm wondering, um, leading up to the election, any nerves uh, regarding Mitt Romney? You mean whether he would win or not? Or, right. or just general concerns? <laughs> just about general him? nerves about... Once he Robert. locked it, once he put his dog on the roof of his car, he I knew I didn't think that was that. years ago. That was like that was there years. was that little yeah. tiny stretch where he pulled ahead. I, like I was already yeah. this is proto Ben Barton where I was into the polls. There was a stretch where he pulled ahead for a couple of days, but Obama had that moment where he was like, I'm gonna take care of this, and I was like, Okay, yeah, I believe the you. Second debate after the first debate, I there was that little hiccup, and then Obama just yeah, because Romney wins the first debate. And also yeah. I would note that Romney spoke in whole sentences. Yeah. and expressed ideas about policy. And I missed that really badly. Like yeah. I would do anything to go back to those days. Yep. I know. He actually articulated things. Uh, he was a little, he's a little, he's a little too built out of a kit for politics for me though. Like Romney was oh, like, he was right. oh, sure. by aliens who have a sense of what a politician sure. should look like. Yeah. And that quote, that clip of him saying to somebody in the, in the handshake line, corporations are people, my friends like that. That's a smack. Of <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. But otherwise I totally agree. Like much, a much preferable alternative to the present moment. Yeah. Well, yeah. We've got, we've got a faithful listener who works for Bain. So we're not going to go after uh Bain Capital too much. Unless you wanted to. Did you want to? I'm sorry. I think Go ahead. Bain Capital would make a fantastic sponsor for this podcast. Right? Yes, they would. I will speak to him about that. That's All a great right. idea. I uh, thought for sure you were talking about the Batman bit. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote it on podcast. <laughs> I love it. Is that our only... <laughs> First of all, stop making fun of Bain. He's my only friend. I love Bain. Okay, I won't have it anymore. The, your problem, Jeff, is that you really adopted the darkness. I don't know if you knew. I was born into the darkness. Right. That's, that's why true. I understand it. That's fine. My only hey. problem with Bane is my hearing loss, which makes him impenetrable. I'm <laughs> just excited for the podcast that we have a recurring character. I think that's exciting. No, but also, Tim, it's because Jeff lives on the coast. Like, we live in the middle of the country. That's, that's why I can true. hear Bane. I understand it. It's <laughs> just totally like true. I don't understand it. It's almost like he's criticizing us. Who are at the, up Without us. understanding, up, yes. Up, up on my lofty perch with my Tesla and my kale, I can barely <laughs> see I can barely see or hear you two. It's totally true. Uh, 2012 was the end of the Mayan calendar, and a lot of people thought that oh. the end of the Mayan calendar was going to indicate an end-of-the-world scenario. 
did either of you think the Mayans had predicted the end of the world? No, I think they ran out of stone. <laughs> I mean, I just assume that they were like, that's enough for now. Carve, carve, carve. We'll make the next calendar. That's when plenty. We get to that point. Yeah. And it's a gracious like, plenty. Culture collapsed. But also keep I in mind, I like I like these sorts of stories enough where I read enough about it where they were like, but it's actually not clear it's the end of the Mayan calendar. It yeah. could be like 2022 or whatever it what? was. They were like, <laughs> it's because, again? Be, well, they, they, they didn't have regular <laughs> yeah. years. They were <laughs> like, you know, they, they didn't have a leap year. Like they, they it's not 100 percent clear when they thought it would actually end. So it, it could still come, Tim. Hold on. OK, hope. hang on. And when it may- does, it will be that day. That, I'm sorry. For sure. I forgot. Uh, we had a, a little contest here uh, regarding Obama's election. Obama's elected and reelected in 2012. Name two other world leaders reelected in 2012. Angela, Angela Merkel. Oh, that's my. That was mine. Uh, yeah. Not in 2012. Sorry. No. Of course, uh, I don't know. I'm going to Tony check. Blair count. No, no, he's that's definitely not. <laughs> no. Sorry, that's that a guy, though, right? That's a guy, who Tony Blair. Was, yeah, he, he was like, guy. he was with Clinton, though. Yeah, he was back along. That. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I all right, Timmy, just help us, man. Yeah, Vladimir Putin was he's re-elected. reelected every year. <laughs> yeah, good job. He's got a great campaign manager. And also, I disagree. The word elected in that sentence yeah, does no work at all. I'm just going with their press agency and what they have told oh, us. Oh, okay, great. Uh, so we're now we're like a Russian podcast. <laughs> we're, we're, you're like, this is election. Silence. It's, it's the By one the way, the country Russians we haven't made great, inroads. The Russians would make a great sponsor for this podcast. <laughs> Along with Bain. Bain and the Russians. <laughs> Uh, you're also missing Hugo Chavez, who also was reelected. Oh, yeah. Like, Tim! <laughs> you're having fun. Tim's having fun with us. All right. Sure. Uh, let's go to the number one hit. Speaking of fun. So how do we want to do this, Jeff? There were, oh, I made a, a tie. I you made made, a you just picked, picked one over the other. Yep. All right, because we have a, a tie for the longest stint at number one. Um, go but ahead. This Pl- was the one. Yeah, I agree. It's the number one hit. Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. I threw a wish in the oh, wind. Yeah. Ask me, I'll never tell. I looked to you as it fell. And now you're in my way. I trade my soul for a wish. Pennies and dimes for a kiss. I wasn't looking for this. But now you're in my way. Your stare was holding. Red jeans, skin was showing. Hot night. Carly Ray Jepsen, she Canadian? So I, I don't know the idea. answer to that. I don't know. Good question. She seems to come out of nowhere. So I figured Canada, like Gordon Lightfoot. It's probably Gordon Lightfoot's daughter. That's the. Uh, <laughs> so here's what I'll. Do you want to go, Jeff? No, you go first. Here's what I'll say. So um, that song, and the the Grammy winner. And I think called it's uh, the Gatier song is probably the other big hit of this year. Is that the one that was tied? It's a Maroon, no, it's Maroon Five. five. Oh. It's like a second level Maroon Five. Track. Yeah, that song sucks. Uh, yeah. There were some there's some really good big hits right. this year. Yeah, that but Gautier, again, was, someone I used to know. That's a cool track. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, yeah. And part of this may just be that I just listen to the radio a lot because the girls were young. Um, this song is obnoxious, and I thought that this was going to be a total one-hit wonder, and I had it exactly backwards. Carly Rae Jepsen's great. Not good, great. Really? Her later records are terrific. What? Yeah, totally. And she in particular, the song Black she Heart sure by Carly Rae Jepsen was Black a... Heart? Cl- Black Heart? I can't remember the year of it, but that was a close finisher on this list. Like, I freaking love that song. She basically became a gigantic hit with this song and then right. went underground and got super experimental. And it's like really weird kind of techno stuff um, with great producers and interesting music. She's the best. Huh. All right. And it's really funny because when that video first came out and the dude's mowing the lawn and she supposedly has this garage rock band behind her playing this song where the Guys yeah. are like holding the guitars backwards. And then she actually became like kind of a garage indie artist. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, it's great. Went- I love an artist who makes a ton of money and rather than chasing the money, takes all that money and says, well, now I can do whatever I want. You huh. know? That's really yeah. cool. That is really cool. Go Carly Ray. Maroon 5, not a fan. Ben Barton. Oh, no, no take for that at all. <laughs> yeah. No, and actually in this period, it's like the songs that 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 the bands that are trying to like straddle the line where they're kind of sort of rock acts and also uh-huh. these hideous pop acts really offend me way worse than like Skrillex or something that's like a completely separate category. All right. Sorry. Um, Skrillex had me uh, giggling there. Um, I want to take you to last week when your host mentioned a certain uh, organ that was the first synthetic organ ever transplanted. <laughs> We're doing some cleanup now. We're doing a little cleanup in that um, stem cells were involved. So the the ah. synthetic trachea had no um, danger of being rejected, unlike an artificial heart. So it, it incorporated the cells of the uh, person who was receiving the organ. I, I bring that up only because in 2012, on the website I go to, the, the People History website, which is what it's called, there is a little sentence that had me stop in my tracks. Austrian Felix Baumgartner becomes the first person to break the sound barrier without mechanical assistance when he jumps over New Mexico on October 14th. I knew nothing about this. He I've done a lot of research. That's so I am picturing. That's a good verb. He's <laughs> really good at jumping. He He's fell leaping. out of an airplane. And how the hell is he breaking the sound barrier with a jump? Um, have you heard about this guy? No, no. He's, he's a red bull daredevil. Ah, and he took a crazy helium balloon up into the stratosphere 24 miles high. Oh my God. And he's in a spacesuit and he jumps out. He jumps down you know to I New Mexico this. for 24 miles. I remember the ad. I remember the Red Bull ad that had that grainy video of him yeah. doing that now that you say it. But I never paid enough attention. I just assumed it was just some idiot jumping out of a helium balloon. I didn't well, realize he was breaking the sound barrier. <laughs> he broke the sound barrier as he fell. In Is a spacesuit, just like it, falling. Just he heard the boom and he was like, that's funny. That's me. And I'm not surrounded by a vehicle. I'm falling. That's the thing that happened. Yes. Good God. Did he have a parachute? Like, or did he just like pancake? Like, by the way, he just died. And you're like, well, that was a really cool stunt. Well done. He got it. Nailed the record. Yeah, totally. The Red Bull was like, we had to cancel the check because there were a lot of pieces of him everywhere in New Mexico. Um, I'm sure it was one heck of a parachute, but he is alive and well, still doing stunts. He is, gentlemen, 51 years old. Is that right? He seems like a future guest. And our next guest is... No, okay. That's a humiliation for us. His favorite song of 2012 was... Ah! I don't even know why that's funny. That's good stuff. Uh, All right. I'm just going to avoid all bad news because it'll put us all in a bad mood and instead let's go right to the impossible question best three male vocalists of all time uh jeff you started last time so ben you have to start this time i love it i actually started last time but that's great i'll take otis writing okay it's a great call he's my first choice too is he really? Yeah. I knew that. I mean, honestly, this is why I went first with Aretha too. I wanted to get in on the ground floor with the first round draft pick. They're- but I love you and I like Aretha and Otis. They are the Alpha and Omega. That's where you start with all with all rock and roll singing. Like if, just- if I wanted to get my teenagers uh, to appreciate Otis Redding, where do I start? The one uh, that I started with with the girls was I started with the live record. You can't believe yeah. how good this guy was live. It's just amazing. Um, and all the tricks and everything, the one time, two time. Yeah. I mean, he's just the best. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's a great place to start. I mean, I think Try a Little Tenderness is in my all time something. I don't know how many, but Try a Little Tenderness is just beyond belief performance. 
Um, I love these arms of mine. He sings the hell out of that. Well, oh, these are the, oh yeah. So I um, I've been loving you for too long, and you don't miss oh. your water. Are the ones I broke out with the girls because basically, I mean, like uh, you know. This, so this is, I, I introduced this to them when they're like 12 and 14, then everybody gets heartbreak, you know what I mean? And right. those songs are just... Right. Oh. Oh. All right. Um, so Jeff, second place, all-time second, male vocalist. Uh, I'm going to go with Sam Cooke. Oh, okay. Uh, well, to somebody I'm late, I'm late appreciating, I didn't really appreciate Sam Cooke until the 90s, late 90s, they put out a best of... I think it's just because Sam Cooke was hard to collect for a while. Almost everything he had was out of print and he didn't record for one of the major labels. So he wasn't showing up on those kinds of giant box in anthology. So I bought this thing called Portrait of a Legend. And after track eight, I was like, Jesus Christ, every single one of these songs is phenomenally great. And he's the most effortlessly spectacular singer I've ever heard. Like Sam Cooke's pitch and intonation is just beyond reproach, unbelievable. And, and he can... He can croon, he can belt it, he can lead a, a rave up, he can bring it down to a whisper. And I'm just kind of, you know, like you were saying about Whitney Houston, like the voice yeah. is just so excellent. Like Sam Cooke's voice is so excellent that uh, I might pick him anyway, even if he were empty calories. And he very but much But he's is. not. He's, is he the same time period as Otis? He's earlier. Early, uh, Otis okay. kind of picks it up and like I love Otis more because Otis has the throatiness and the the I mean Otis wills himself into brilliant singing and Sam Cooke was just born with a perfect instrument as far as I can tell but but Sam Cooke's uh version of a change is going to come is uh a Mount Rushmore yeah it's, it's yeah great. that was the one I was going to choose that's an amazing song and his version of it's beautiful. The instrumentation oh. behind it, I mean, it's 64, so it's like a little bit old-fashioned. Right, right. But, I mean, the singing, a, oh. I went with so Sam Cooke instead of Ray Charles. I would I mean, it's a coin flip for me. Like, Ray Charles at his best is un, is just unspeakably fantastic in the same era, but I thought Ben might pick Ray, so I went with uh, Sam Cooke. All right, let's see. Ben, what's your second place? Oh, you're giving me too much credit. <laughs> uh, I'm doing the old-fashioned Jeff Simon's Homer pick. I'm just going to choose Mick Jagger. All right, there he's you go. the original. He's the original guy. The Rolling Stones are my the first great band that I loved and went over went Gaga over. Um, and it's you know it's not fair to compare him to Otis or Sam Cooke, but um, all I can say is like he's got moves like Mick Jagger. Yeah, <laughs> we kick him to the curb unless he looks like Mick Jagger. Like there's a reason why he's an icon. Why he's an all-timer. He's, to me, he's the single rock frontman. If you yeah, uh, no so, so you had that Rolling Stones pick, but it was uh, Keith singing. It, what's your um, what's your Mick Jagger uh, apex for for yeah rock song? signature Mick? You get one performance to convince. Oh, people. I love this. Too easy. Okay, sympathy. Yes, sympathy for the devil is the one. I okay, mean, he brings that so hard. Ah. Uh. Yep, okay, so this please is a, allow me exercise to introduce in, uh, myself. Mutual admiration of the picks. So. All right. Uh, so now we're on to the third place, Jeff Simons. Uh, I am going with David Hidalgo of Los Lobos. Oh, really? If I could sound, if I personally could sound like anyone who I've ever heard sing, it would be him. Just uh, unbelievable control of the high notes. And uh, I believe everything that guy says when he sings, uh, I think a matter of time is one of the most beautiful vocal performances I've ever heard. And, uh, I love him when he's, when the band's on fire, I love him when the band is super quiet. Uh, and he's a dark horse pick, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Are, give us, give us other... a few bars of a matter of time. Uh, okay. You mean you want me to sing it? Cause it's, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> it's just a second. Uh, here we go. And Speak softly, don't wake the baby, come and hold me once more, before I have to leave, yeah, there's a lot of work out there, everything will be fine, and I'll send for you baby, just a matter I mean. Crush 
Great. I mean, what a song. What a what a I voice. mean, there are other singers. I sure. I, I mean, like I said, I can't believe Ray Charles isn't on that list. I can't believe Paul Westerberg's on that list, who is not a great singer, but everything he he sings makes me want to burst into tears. But yeah. I'll go with David Hidalgo because he only gave us three choices. All right. Top three, Ben Barton. Close it out. Close it out with Homer pick number two, Eddie Vedder. Yeah. I mean, all right. Yeah, totally. Huh. No favorite favorite uh, Eddie Vedder vocal performance. That one's actually weirdly harder than the Stones. And the reason why it's harder is because I would choose a live track for sure. sure. Um, I feel like I'm going to say it's Indio. I may have the wrong show, but even flow, like when he gets into the even flow and then when he gets to the end of it, or you could choose black from that same show. I mean, the end of black where he's just losing his mind and breaking his heart. uh, He's just like such a powerful uh, presence on stage. You You could choose Springsteen too. I mean, if you're going to choose a live act, it's hard to go wrong with Springsteen. Right. Right. I don't know. Vetter just brings it so hard. You know, Petty's Uh, pretty great too. And I think of Tom Petty because if I had to pick an Eddie Vedder moment, it's the moment where he guests on the waiting with the heartbreakers. Like he shows up one night in Minneapolis and they bring him out and he sings the second verse in the chorus. But when Eddie takes the song over from Tom Petty, it, it's like, good Lord. It, it didn't, it didn't drop in quality. In fact, he might've even kicked it up a notch. Wow. I remember the first time I saw that footage, I was like, man, oh man, can that guy front a rock band? Yeah. Like, that is so cool. Awesome. It's like when uh, Bruce Springsteen, did one headlight with um jacob dillon exactly like, exactly like that yeah it's like oh by dear the God. way i didn't choose prince or james brown those were obvious ones also like <laughs> okay. but i said enough about those guys yeah all right good stuff well let's get to uh our three songs our three songs so ben you go first this week all right, Jeff Simons. I start with a quiz. Uh-oh. Are you ready? What act has the most top 10 hits on Billboard's Hot 100? 209 top Ariana 10 hits. Grande. This same artist simultaneously charted 27 songs on the Hot 100 has spent the most continuous time with a single on the Hot 100, 431 weeks, and had 22 hot debuts on the Top 100. 22. A full 22% of the Top 100 were new songs by this (laughs) artist in one week. I'm going to go with TLC. Drake. Yeah. Drake is the most popular artist that nobody knows is just freaking gigantic. And the way I did, I described my process for doing this. I went back through and I put everything by order of listens. And then I put that by year and I tried to figure it out. And it turns out I really like Drake. I didn't really know until I'd done that. I was like, (laughs) oh, this like, it turns out, I mean, first of all, there's like 20 Drake songs that I really, really like, but I hadn't put it together. And the reason why I hadn't put it together, people who are listening to this will know, uh, is that Drake's a very controversial artist. Um, People think that Drake is cheesy. People think that Drake is phony. People, uh, like amongst his own peers, amongst rappers, they refer to him as a singing N-word, and I apologize for that. That's not my words. That's the criticism of him. There's an amazing, unbelievably good Pusha T diss track about Drake where he eviscerates him but when he talks about Drake's music he says I don't know why your music is so angry and filled with lies and it's so mean because it's true (laughs) there's a whole subcategory of Drake songs where he's like trying to be gangster that are just completely phony right so Aubrey Drake Graham is born October 24th 1986 in Toronto Ontario his dad is an African-American guy from Memphis who's like a session drummer and kind of a low-level musician in Memphis. And his mom's a lovely Jewish woman, an Ashkenazi Jew from um, Toronto. Okay. Parents get divorced when he's little. His dad moves back to Memphis. And according to Drake, his dad's in and out of jail and his, uh, he barely sees him. Drake's dad, of course, is like, that's not true. I saw him all the time. The kid's <laughs> just always making stuff up. <laughs> 
It's brutal. He can't even get his story straight with his dad. Oh, man. He goes to a Jewish day school and then lives in a pretty nice neighborhood in Toronto. And by the time he's 15, he's a TV star in Canada. He's on this right. really, really, really dumb show. The oh, I would forget the name. Nah, yeah, show. I can't believe I am, too. Um, I, I, um, anyhow, uh, he's on this stupid show. Uh, here's a one sentence description. For, oh, it, 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 he's on it for like a hundred episodes, and it's one of those teen things. It's like Saved by the Bell, um, but it's a Canadian version, and it's a soap opera. Here's Drake. Drake portrayed Jimmy Brooks, a basketball star who became physically disabled after he was shot by a classmate. And I was no. like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it makes me so happy. But that's what his part it's, was. It's Degrassi, you, Degrassi, uh, Degrassi totally. the next generation. And I yeah. mean, literally, like, if you go and look at it, there's one for Drake's in a, like, little baby Drake's in a wheelchair. And he's like, he shot me. It's amazing. Oh, my God. It's okay. amazing. So while he's doing this, according to Drake's raps, you know, he's not making enough money. His mom's totally broke, which is probably not true. Um, he decides to get into music. And in fact, he's got like from 2006 through 2009, he puts out a bunch of really popular uh, mixtapes. And there's the song Forever, where he's the lead artist on it. That's got Kanye and Lil Wayne. And it's really good. It's really good. Like he was already on my radar at that time. 2009, he finally gets signed. They get signed by Lil Wayne's um, label. His first re record comes out in 2010. It's a medium hit. This is the year where Drake just launches into the stratosphere. This is the Take Care year. And he's a massive, gargantuan, huge hit. And I'll just note, along with me liking him, do you know how hard it is to have top 10 hits every year from 2012 to 2020? Like he's a little bit like a Madonna type figure. Like yeah. he's a thief. And I mean that in the nicest way. Like he's a thief. He's a crab. He's like pulling everything in and amalgamating it and creating his own sound out of it. And somehow year after year after year, he comes up with bangers. Um, anyhow, I have like a lot of weird admiration for that. This is Dahlia and Georgia's favorite Drake song. It's H-Y-F-R. Hell yeah, hell yeah, fucking right with him <laughs> and Lil Wayne. Um, here's a couple of things about it. It's very emblematic of Drake's later work. First, it's a mid-tempo rap song, which is kind of borderline offensive to me. And I'll just be frank, it used to really bug me. Like the fact that he sang and was so mid-tempo and mopey. The, if you have not seen the <laughs> cover art for Take, Take Care, Please, yeah, oh, please it. go look at it. It's the funniest thing in the history of the universe. Doing it's it him right in now. a Toronto Italian restaurant looking mopey in front of a candlestick. It's the greatest. Wait, what's it called? Cover art, Drake? Take what? care. Take care is the name okay. of the record. Okay. And it's like, sad Drake. And he's got all his chains on, Timmy. You know how heavy it is with those chains on <laughs> to look sad in I'm a restaurant at it right in Toronto? Now. Isn't it's it? I mean, it's, it's really freaking great. hilarious. It's right? really great. It's so good. <laughs> Anyhow, this is not the first or second. This is the freaking sixth single from the stupid record. And it's a mid-tempo one. He tells this long, borderline boring story that's definitely not true about sleeping with in Atlanta, even though he lives in Toronto. <laughs> and then the, the pre-chorus and the chorus is Lil Wayne. And that's easily the best part of the song. And Drake's rapping is just an imitation of Wayne's rapping. And yet, and yet, it's a banger and hilarious. Jeff, give us the first 30 seconds and then jump ahead to minute like 108 so you can hear Lil Wayne's chorus. You okay. Got it. That's the ad, huh? It's the it's the uh, oh, oh, oh wait before why are you doing video. this you're you're looking at youtube this is the video dude the yeah. freaking video is unbelievable it's his, bar mitzvah. It's, it's his bar mitzvah it's his bar mitzvah he does a redo of his actual bar mitzvah. And by the way, I mean, his main collaborator is this guy, Noah, I can't remember his last name, but he's a, he's a Jewish guy from, a Jewish white guy from Toronto that they call 40. And he's the guy, like he's a huge portion of this sound. He's created huh. the sound. He's always finding new things. He's the reason why they did the Caribbean stuff. Um, and so it's super, super funny that Drake like steers into his Jewishness. And th this video is also unbelievable. H-Y-F-R, Hell Yeah Fucking Right, by Drake. 
gotta do what I gotta do. Oh, it's so hard to be Drake. He's gotta do what he's gotta do, Jeff. Uh, all my exes live in Texas like I'm George Strait Or they go to Georgia State where tuition is handled by some random nigga that live in Atlanta That she only see when she feels obligated Admitted it to me the first time we dated But she was no angel and we never waited I took her for sushi, she wanted to fuck So we took it to go, told him don't even play it And we never talked too much after I blew up Just only hello her, happy belated And I think I text her and told her I made it And that's when she texted me and told me she prayed it And that's when I text her and told her I love it And right after text her and told her I'm faded She asked Whatever I learned since getting richer, I learned work. All right. You and I say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Fucking right, fucking right, all right. And we say, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. Fucking right, fucking right, all right. All right, pause. Uh, so You missed the pre-chorus. If you go backwards to the pre-chorus, it's hilarious. It's like they, oh, they ask these questions. after 30 seconds, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's my bad. It's my bad. Go back to maybe a minute. Fashions, get the fuck about my dressing room confusing me with questions like do you love this shit are you high right now do you ever get nervous are you single i heard you fuck your girl is it true you getting money you think the niggas you with is with you and i say hell yeah so that's the Lil wayne part which first just kills me every time. Like poor Lil Wayne. I mean, not poor Lil Wayne. He's a gargantuan jillionaire. Dude, he signs this, this same year. He signs Drake and Nicki Minaj to that label. And he oh, never wow. has to work again, ever. Like he's wow. a super extra wealthy guy. Um, that being said, his career as a rapper is definitely on the wane. But this part, in my opinion, like you can see <laughs> how, you. yeah, perfect. You can see how good he is. Like, it's so funny. It's so weird. It's so like squirrely and strange. Like he's like, they're, you're asking me these questions and then the hell yeah fucking right just kills me every single time. There's something about this song and also just generally about Drake's career. Like he's the gateway to understanding the mumble rap and the little baby, huh, and the baby that's and all of that stuff. Like yeah. if you can get to the point where you're like, oh, I, I kind of see Drake. Yeah. He's the gateway to all of this. And and also like in terms of like scoring uh, artists, he creates this entire subgenre. And by subgenre, I mean what rap is now has basically been created. He's the blueprint. Uh, that's de depressing. No, but I dig this one, man. This one makes me laugh really hard. You could do a lot worse than hanging out with a stripper in Atlanta saying, hell yeah, hell yeah, fucking right. You know what I mean? Like, that's okay. Um, so just this past weekend, uh, I, I do the workshop when rap got the gun talking about socially conscious hip hop. And then uh, then this this other kind of genre of, of kind of pop rap in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, but but as a precursor to that, I asked the students, all right, who do you consider legit and authentic? And and who do you consider uh, a person who's just kind of after commercial success? Um, you would not believe the debate over Drake. Oh, yeah. Like students like, no, he's a poser. He's fake. No. And, and others talking about how artistically ambitious he is. And of course, I had. I had no place in the debate. I, I had nothing, but he was one of those guys who we could not categorize in our class. No, for sure. And also like we've had this conversation multiple times and yeah. actually I'm happy to have it more. I love the authenticity conversation. It's like Rick Ross raps about being a huge drug dealer and he yep. was a freaking prison guard before he <laughs> yeah. started. My, the most authentic guy of all is Pusha T. So his like first of all, the name of his record is "My Name's My Name" because yeah. he's a pusher. Literally every single song, every single song, he's weighing out cocaine and selling it. And you're like, dude, you haven't been a drug dealer since 1996. <laughs> like, I assume it's true that he used to be a drug dealer. I'm not here to argue that, but right, I mean, right. he's not currently but, making a living doing that, or he would currently be in jail. Like, it's, it's not, been it's a, not while. a mystery. Yeah. You can't be like on recorded tracks, like police come and meet me in Key West. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 so I hate this shit. This is fun. I hate this whole sound. I hate the posturing. I hate the mumbly. I hate the mid tempo. Like, and it's not even like I, I, I disapprove. I don't disapprove of it even remotely. I don't care about that. I just like, this does nothing for me. Like I, 
I just am bored. I'm bored from the beginning. I'm bored by the wee woo stuff in the background. Wait, wait, wait. Are I'm you bored are you by bored the... by Kanye? No, I'm fascinated with Kanye. Okay, Kanye's got so much more going on than this. Kanye, each Kanye track, like there's what did Ben say last week? Kanye sneers. Yeah, Drake yeah, yeah. Postures. Like the reason there's a big argument about whether Drake's authentic or not is not that not just because he's a liar, but because he's a posturing figure. Like my favorite Drake is the one wearing a Doris Burke t-shirt at the court side of Raptors yeah, game. Yeah, the Raptors game. Of I love that but Drake. That, but that's the same Drake that I mean, he's Spike Lee without without do the right thing. Like he's sitting courtside at the game, like a big fan, but then. Spike Spike earns that seat for me by his by his authentic investigation of something complicated. There's nothing complicated about Drake, which, right. is, why I'm bo- which is why I'm bored by him. And I'm I not, strongly again, disagree with that. I, I don't, really, really I, disagree with that. I I just well okay. I just like I hear that song and like five seconds in, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for this to be over. And that's how I. <laughs> so feel. I understand that every part. time a kid plays a Drake song for me or or recommends a Drake album or makes a Drake argument and I give myself like, all right, here we go. 14 seconds in, I'm like, oh, right. I'm bored to death by this thing. So that's how okay. I- so, so Tim, I warned you that we were going to get Grandpa Jeff. Okay. And we were also going to get oh. jaded Jeff. We're going to come and visit. We have, we've got a clear take on that. <laughs> the first thing is you're just going to go, you have to go ahead and eat. This guy's a gargantuan yeah. artist. Yeah. And also, do you see the Madonna so comp? Do you see yeah, the Madonna comp? Oh, yeah, totally. Look, you know what else was big? Two and a half men. That bores me, too. <laughs> no, this is way bigger than that. And also, like, he, he keeps working around. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. He keeps trying different things. He does, and- actually. Yeah, you're right. Here's the thing. He's not boring because he's not boring the way Maroon 5 is boring. Like, he's a much more interesting kind of boring. And I actually get that he himself is pretty interesting. But the music bores me. And that's why I can't get beyond and get into it and get interested in him, an interesting person and figure. I just, that song bores me. I well, wish so it also, was faster. The thing, though, I wish it that... had more up and down. I wish it had, I had, had more going on. But it's on purpose. It's on purpose. It's I know. on purpose. It's a three and a half minute pop song. It has no bridge. Yeah. It's only got one. It's only got two verses. And then it's got a one, uh, the same pre-chorus and the same chorus. The music changes, not at all. Right. Huh. That weird back thing with the woo. If you listen through it, that goes through the that's in the verse, and then oh. it goes to the pre-chorus, and then it goes I to the even... chorus. But dude, yeah. this is part of the thing with the new rap stuff. And like if you get into ASAP Rocky and other people, like or uh Brockhampton, like they're eliminating the entire song structure. Like they're breaking it down into constituent parts and they have yeah. no bridges, they have no choruses, it's just mumbling. Um and so I, and on the one hand, as a, as a grandpa, I can be like, well, I, I would prefer it the other way. On the other hand, I can weirdly see the artistry of it. Like it's a deconstruction of this structure in a way that I think is like super uh, I disagree. interesting. It's not a deconstruction. It's not taking a cookie and breaking it down into its component delicious parts. It's eating flour out of the bag. It's not bothering to cook it. That's my difference. And that's not First of all, thing. your flour is my chocolate chips. Like he's just, he's just picking out the parts that he really likes. And also the verses, one of the reasons why I had you skip ahead is the verses in a minute and 30 seconds. And there's yeah. no, there's no flab in it. Like wow. he's like, I got to do this. And then he just starts right in with his long story about Atlanta. And then he just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. Ladies and yeah. gentlemen, not since Billy Joel's Vienna has there been such vitriol on the. This oh, is no actually not vitriol. <laughs> no, impossible <laughs> Germany was the worst. I got actual, <laughs> I got shots across the bow for hating on impossible Germany. That's yeah. right. It's Fans great. came this after you. I, and it's great. It's about time we disagreed about something. Like, I actually think the moments where Ben and I don't see eye to eye are super interesting because we see well, eye to eye so much. Like, I love these moments where he's like, I, Ben made me watch Brockhampton at Bonnaroo a couple of years ago. Like, I sat and watched that entire 80 minute set and I spent the entire show looking around in a circle while 80,000 people sang along to what to me sounded like just like, who is this? children shrieking at me who was that's an awful that's an even worse take that's an even worse take brock hampton is great 
Brock <laughs> Hampton. Wrong. All right, I got to write that down too, you guys. We'll get All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, Jeff Simons. I'm sure Mine Ben Barton will be- have, have an open mind for whatever artist I you have. I haven't done doing you. Now you're telling me I'm closed minded because I disagreed <laughs> once in 26 years. Um, so, this here's the thing I, I have a whole bunch of songs. This was actually a tougher year than I thought. I have a whole bunch of songs I, I love a lot, but no clear winner. So, I'm going to go with a band I want to highlight um, instead of what is probably my favorite song of the year. But here's the story about why it's worth. Uh, looking for new music, right? This is okay. the anti Jeff Jeff. Um, 2004, uh, I'm in New York City. I'm playing shows with, with Rich Price and uh, his management company gets a new office. So we go to see the new office because it's super cool. And it's like, you know, one of these big loft spaces in Brooklyn. Okay. And we're hanging out. There's a big pile of CDs on the table. And of course, as soon as I see a pile of CDs, I'm just like rifling through it. And I one jumps you out stole at some. me. Uh, no, I didn't. I once jumped at me. I was like, who are these guys? Like, oh, we just signed those guys. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna represent you guys and them. Uh, and uh, so I made note of it and uh, uh, bought the record. I didn't like it at all. Oh, first, first pass. Okay. But these guys, like, we're, you know, we're not working together, but we know the same people, and we're just a small little world. So I check out the next record. It's a lot better. It's pretty cool. The record after that, I really love. And Dr. Dog becomes one of my favorite rock oh, bands sure. of the last couple of decades. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, like, if I if somebody said, check out Dr. Dog, I listen to one song, I don't like it, and I'm just like, I'm through with those guys. Right. Sure. And it's hard not to do that because there's so much to listen to and there's so many people with so many opinions. But Dr. Dog has never broken through beyond super fans like the three of us and people who listen to this podcast. Like, if you say, you know, if you mentioned Dr. Dog to the average American, they're going to be like, Doctor, yeah. what? They think what are you talking about? Right. But Dr. Dog's made four or five excellent rock albums. They have carved out a fantastic career for themselves. They are in a fantastic ensemble. They're a great example of a band that has been able to stay together. The two guys who run Dr. Dog have been in a band together since the eighth grade. Like they've just like lifelong huh. friends That's and they've amazing. navigated, they've navigated friendship and, and, partnering off and having families and keeping this some version of their band together. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to give Dr. Dog the nod this year, the song I'm going to play from their excellent record, be the void, which is not where I'd start. I think their record shame, shame from 2010 is their best overall record. I love okay. that record. They're also a great live band They're, They remind me of the band. They got four real singers. The song comes first. The musicianship serves the song. Um, they're an incredibly ensemble-oriented, unpretentious um, collective. This song's Let's called go. These Days. It's two minutes and 30 seconds, and it's just a great kick-ass rock song where the guitars are more, are the guitars are probably more important than the vocal here, but um, these are just great players with great aesthetics writing great songs together. Here we go. These Days by Dr. Dog. player they're playing never plays more than one note at a time you know like i mean it's just <laughs> it's it's great arrangement it's great guys playing within themselves and uh i like these guys i root for them i'm rooting hard for them every time they make a record they're great so, um, 
Yeah. Nope. I think Chuck Prophet made the best record this year, but Dr. Dog, they deserve the nod. They were at uh, Bonnaroo the the year the three of us went, right? I know I've seen them a bunch of times. I don't remember if I've seen them at Bonnaroo or not. They played five nights at the Independent in San Francisco right before COVID hit and played every song they've ever written. They did a different oh, set every fun. night. And uh, yeah, I didn't go to every great. night, but I mean, like, they were just, they were really, I like them. Ben, you like them? I do like them. Um, that's an unusual song for them. That's really up tempo for them. Yeah, they yeah. tend to be much more sort of like slower tempo and um, singing together. Shame Shame is 2010, right? Yeah. All right. So um, the songs, The Breeze and Hang On were really, really, really big songs for me that year. Um, 2007 to 2011, I was in administration. I was running the clinic here. And um, I, if anyone who's been in administration at a higher educational facility, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I can't describe how horrible that job is. And in 2010, like I actually, I tied my stomach in knots literally and went to the hospital. Like that was uh, how upset I was about this job. And those two songs, The Breeze and Hang On are about, it's going to be fine. Just let it blow over you. And I listened to those songs on a loop coming into work. Just awesome. like, yeah. What you thought was a hurricane was just nothing but the breeze. Love it. That's awesome. So yeah, there's always well, good music. I'm gonna get, I, Ben's going to hammer me for the next decade about being a grumpy old uh, guy, but I'm still beating the bushes hoping for, hoping for the new thing. New music showing us the way. Well, I'm going to go with uh, old music showing us the way. I mean, uh, raise your hand if you're, if you're tired of COVID. Raise your hand if you're tired of wearing a mask. Raise your hand if you're tired of being housebound. Uh, raise your hand if you're tired of gaslighting politicians. Raise your hand if you're tired of gridlock. Raise your ta- hand if you're tired of lies. And uh, there's so much I'm tired of. And um, and that's why I'm announcing my candidacy for... No, it sounds like you're... <laughs> It really was. That was a Huey Long mo- moment for sure. Yeah, totally. That's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, I've only had one Bruce Springsteen pick in my uh, time here on the podcast. I am coming oh, dude. up. I am coming with a second pick right now because he did have an album come out in tell me it's a title track this was on my short list tell me sorry, it's a title track. sorry it is not the no title track. you're kidding me Although there's another love- song on wrecking ball that you're not going to choose you're not going to choose wrecking ball oh wait what's the name of the album wrecking ball oh sorry that is the one i'm choosing oh, oh, good. <laughs> oh thank god okay but by the way if you chose a song that was not wrecking ball from the album wrecking ball i was gonna have to stab my ears with a pencil like i was Jeff. really worried about it Jeff, I need you to start Wrecking Ball at 325, and I need you to go, and, and, and Bruce's lawyers will call us, but I need you to go at least to 435. Guys, I'll handle the heat for this one if Hold they come on, after I, us. Oh, yeah, because Bruce's lawyers are going to take it easy. And I love this one. I can't describe. So I absolutely great. love this one. The boy's on fire. Can we agree that yes. – uh, Yes, you've hit several ones. Like this is now maybe the third or fourth one that was on my shortlist that you chose for me. You're making me really happy. Well, I'm right, just I, I, I'm I'm sick and I'm tired, and this is the song that's going to get me through it. And I love we're going to 4:35 because everybody comes in to support them. Everyone's on the same page right at the end. Let's go. Here we go. Wrecking Ball by Bruce Springsteen. Best hopes and desires are scattered to the wind. Hard times come, hard times go, and hard times come, and 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 hard times go. Let me see what you 
Gentlemen, hard times come and hard times go. Let's go. We will get through it together. Listening to So wait, let me say a couple of things. I'm sure Jeff has thoughts about this song too. I was wrapping it all up. Hold on, just hold it there a minute. (laughs) I put this as the last great Springsteen song. And I put this as a great Springsteen song. This is a, maybe strong to say 15, but a top 20 song. When you hear this live, it oh, kills every single time. Oh my God, time. yeah. Yep. This is a great, not a good, this is a great rumination on the end of life and what it all means. Like, yep. He talks about the Meadowlands, but he's also totally talking about himself. And the hard times come, hard times go. You chose a great part of it. Um, the part where he's like, you have to hang on to your anger, but don't give up. Like, oh, so powerful. I love this one. And it's hilarious. Jeff's got this live version of Giant Stadium. That's right. That was the original single on it. I, I have a random show from Australia with this song. And that's the one I chose for it. Where he's like, Aussies, let me effing hear you. And he's like yelling at them. And they don't understand what the hell's going on at all. And I chose that one instead of the Giant Stadium one. First, because he's a live act. And, and this song is amazing uh-huh. live. Yeah. But second, like just how hard he brings it. You know what I mean? He's yeah. a Brisbane in Australia and he's yeah. like, let me hear you. He could totally so mail it in. Good. Yeah. So yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you know, whatever. He's he's older than us. He's like 20 years older than us. How much older yeah. is he? Yeah. Yeah. About that. Six, and seven, still, two, just two. to be bringing it, amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah. This is. So I don't know if people can hear the difference between Mumford and Sons and this, but that's the difference for me between what's something that is easily a throwaway and something that easily is not, but like that, all that, whoa, whoa. And the bump, thump, thump, like Mumford and Sons right. built a whole pile of money based on, but the, uh, what's missing from them is the, the sheer will to communicate that is at the center of all the great Springsteen songs. Like the, the Springsteen is so desperate to connect. So, so authentically in his great music. And this is, I would say, I really thought there were two or three special songs on the most recent record, but it's too early to say whether they're this good. Mm-hmm. Like Letter to You, and most of them sadly are, are songs from the 70s that he pulled back out for the E Street Band record. But uh, I think currently, yes, this is the last great one. That's great. That's and so this great. is crazy. They, they, they invite, they're going to blow up Giant Stadium and turn right. it into a parking lot. And they're like, oh, well, how should we ring it out? Oh, we'll have Springsteen come. And I can't remember, Jeff, he played like 10 shows in a row. 10 right? shows. 10 Holy shows shit. in a row. They just Did like really? camped him out. He sold them all out, camped him out there, and he wrote a song just for that. And this is the song. It's freaking Holy spectacular. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Totally. That's outstanding. It really is amazing. And also for me, it was such a like a retro throwback, you know, like um, like a like a you know, I hate this guy, but it's an example of it. Like a Tom Brady performance where he's 42, where you're like, whoa, <laughs> hey, yeah, still can yeah. do it. Like you can still just rear back and hit a hundred on the on still, the gun. Still like, can just throw amazing. the fastball. Yeah. Well, I you know, yeah. I, I told you that uh the robot lady when we went to I think it was a Lyle Lovett concert, and she's like, I don't I don't want to go to concerts anymore. You know, so we're supposed to just sit there and they sing at us. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, that's good. And she said, No more concerts for me. It was in 2014 where I bought two Bruce Springsteen tickets uh, for Charlotte and I took the robot lady. Uh, She almost, (laughs) she nearly left me that night for Bruce Springsteen. Like, like, I'm going to go backstage. I'm like, come on, honey, let's go home. But once she saw Bruce Springsteen in concert, she started to understand what concerts are all about once again. It's a great, great night. And when we get that back, when I could go see a band or I can be entertaining people again i i'm going to bring it like it's so never hard been brought. yeah i'm got i mean i'm leaving i am leaving everything right on the tape i cannot wait for that again <laughs> this is the longest break from live performance of my entire life <sighs> that's amazing yeah golly that's bleak but i mean um, the springsteen thing like like he killed it in charlotte I've seen him yeah. in Nashville. Yeah, I've sure. seen him in Anywhere. Lexington. I've <laughs> seen him. I've seen him in a lot. I've seen him in New York. I've seen him in Las Vegas. I've seen him in Phoenix. I've seen yeah. him in Albuquerque. 
I haven't seen a bad show. I saw him at Oakland with Jeff. I haven't seen a bad show. He brings it super hard. One of the, like, we went twice in Nashville, me and my buddies from Knoxville. And one of them was amazing. Like we got seat, we like did the thing where you wait in line and we got to the pit. It was right. super fun. And uh, this is when he's rumored to be on steroids. And I'm going to, by rumored, I mean, he was definitely on steroids. Like, he was <laughs> jacked. Jacked. Like he came out in the white t-shirt and I was like, holy yeah. crap, what is happening here? But it, the steroids yeah, yeah. were working out for me and him. Like he was bringing it so hard. I got to look into these steroids things. So he turns around and there's a, like, he's like, there's a guy behind him holding a sign for born in the USA. And he's like, you know what? I'll usually play that one. And he's like, Max, Max, get the sign, get the sign. And then he holds it up and then he did born in the USA. Everyone lost their mind. And it was great. I was like, first of all, it's probably not true. He doesn't, I mean, he doesn't play every night, but I mean, he definitely (laughs) plays that with some regularity. (laughs) Second, he, like he made that guy's night like right yeah. now oh, that sure. guy's telling a story to his family like did i tell you about the time and they're like yes you told us about that he's like i yeah. walked aside in a glitter on this it bored you did i tell you about that and they're like yeah you told us about it so great uh yeah next time i'm going to bruce show i'm definitely bringing a sign i'm gonna i'm gonna oh, bring totally. some like let's go All right, gentlemen, what a great night. Thank you so much. 2012, now in the books. Jimmy, well done, man. All right, guys. Hey, let's go. I'll see you next week, okay? Hey, if you're having as much fun as we are, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there. Electric Cast. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture.